At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Have you ever been interested in taking meaningful and eye-catching self-portraits? If so, our self-portrait photography indoors on a budget course is perfect for you. I'm actually the instructor and I'll be teaching you how to take really beautiful photographs of yourself indoors without investing in any other equipment. These lessons are all about making the most of what you have, experienced or not, and telling an authentic story. There are 30 video lessons that include quizzes, a community of photographers, random surprises, and much more. This is an incredible opportunity for you to improve your self-portrait photography skills and to impress everyone around you. I have a very special discount code just for our podcast listeners. We're offering a 50% discount code just for you. Use this code to claim your discount, Portrait50. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with Barbara McFerrin a fine art portrait photographer who often works with studio lights and other kinds of studio equipment. We talk about her background, which is completely unrelated to photography, how she built her business, how she communicates with her clients, and much more. Please enjoy. Hi, Barbara. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. I'm very happy to have you here. Please introduce yourself to the listeners. Hi, Taya. My name is Barbara McFerrin, and I'm a fine art portrait photographer and photography educator based in Boulder, Colorado in the USA. I really like your portfolio, and if any of the listeners aren't familiar with your work, I highly encourage checking out Barbara's work because she has a very beautiful painterly atmospheric feeling in her images that is very difficult to create, I think, and it's taken her years and years to develop that. So I'm really excited to chat with you today and find out more about your craft. Great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So I'm sure some of the listeners are interested in the technical side of things. So could you walk me through your gear and what you use on a regular basis? Sure. So the camera equipment I use is fairly simple. 
uh, use a Nikon full frame D750 camera. And my go-to lenses are either a 50 millimeter uh, Nikon lens or an 85 millimeter lens. I also use Westcott studio lighting for my portrait work. So yeah, I, I mean, I keep it pretty simple. So it's not a lot of equipment, honestly. I could get a, a nice portrait with one camera, one lens, and even one light. That's really good to know. And I think that's what really separates an amateur photographer from a real professional who has a lot of experience. It's you being able to work with whatever you have, being able to take great pictures with limited equipment even. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't take a lot and definitely don't need the latest and greatest equipment to get a great photograph. Yeah, that's very important to know, especially for beginners. I remember when I was a beginner, I was so greedy. I really wanted everything. I couldn't have everything. Of course, I had very minimal equipment. Mm-hmm. However, I, I just yearned to have the best of the best. And I felt bad comparing myself to others. So it's always good to know that you don't need the best of the best if you don't have access to it. Exactly. You have an interesting backstory, which I think that the listeners will find very interesting because you, first of all, you weren't a photographer right from the get-go. You had a career that was completely different to photography, was separate from photography. And then you went through a few career changes. You sold your house and your car. And in the process, you also lost your friends and, of course, experienced a lot of anxiety. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about that experience and what you learned from it? Sure. So photography was a hobby for about 25 years. My father had given me a camera when I turned 17 as a gift. He was a photographer as well. And I fell in love with photography ever since that. And I mostly took pictures of landscapes and nature. So it was was basically a hobby that I really loved. But at the time, I didn't know how to make money from it. So I just pursued a career in IT, information technology. So I was in that field for about 13 years, but I quickly found that the work just wasn't fulfilling. I was experiencing a lot of anxiety around it because it was very stressful. And I knew I just really didn't like it. It was just a paycheck. (laughs) So I worked up the courage to quit the stressful IT job, but I had to sell my house and car because I went into social work, which paid a lot less. And I knew I I couldn't afford, you know, my house and my car payment. So basically just completely changed everything for a different career. And social work was a little bit more rewarding. But about a year or so later, I realized this isn't mentally challenging. I just, this really isn't what I want to do. So I actually returned to IT, but in a different role that was less stressful. And then after a few years, after you know, I met my now husband and had my daughter. I eventually quit for good and found my way back into photography and doing that now. So for the past six, six or so years. And yeah, during the time of experiencing anxiety and selling my home, I mean, that was a really stressful period and it was very emotional and just was challenging. So some friends that I had just didn't understand what I was going through. So they just kind of stopped talking to me and just, I don't know, I guess you would call them fair weather friends. <laughs> so when you're going through a struggle, some friends just aren't there for you. Luckily, I still have a lot of great friends who I've had for many years. But yeah, it kind of tells you who your real friends are when you're going through a, a difficult time in your life and they they just kind of disappear. But yeah, what I basically learned from that is that sometimes the path 
to a fulfilling career isn't linear. There can be lots of detours that we take along the way before we find what we're called to do. And that's definitely what happened with me. Absolutely. And I think it helps to, once you're at a point where you feel comfortable with who you are and with what you're doing for work, it helps to look back and to be proud of that. Things make sense mm-hmm. in retrospect, but then you being able to share your journey now might help other photographers feel or aspiring photographers feel encouraged. It's mm-hmm. definitely, as you said, it's not linear and there are many things that get in the way sometimes. And I think for a lot of people, it can feel like a certain path is not meant for them just because right. things aren't working out, but you just have to keep trying, keep experimenting and you'll find something that works for you, especially if you love photography and you want to make it into a business. Exactly. Yeah. I remember even when I was trying to, and it's funny because photography had been my hobby for so long, but for whatever reason at the time, I just didn't know how to make a business out of it. So I was just finding other things. I was like, oh, maybe I can uh, go to massage school and try massage for a while. And I did massage school for a little while, but it just didn't work out. I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. So yeah, it's just, you just keep trying different things. And then eventually when I quit the corporate world, I did go back to school and got my master's degree in information technology for development, which still isn't photography related, but it allowed me to join some science teams and go out and do some video work in Canada. So I was able to do some film work and documentary work. And that kind of segued, I guess, back into the photography realm with the video and the photography. So that's kind of how it all started. Then I I decided to to go into portrait photography work and, and that's where I am now. <laughs> really cool. Indirectly sort of led to photography. <laughs> exactly. Right. Another non-linear <laughs> path. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just proves that life is not always very clear. Like you have to try different things, as I said earlier. And just because so many things don't work out for you just doesn't mean that you don't have the thing that will work for you. You just have to exactly. try. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. You had a really lovely interview with Voyage Denver that I read a few weeks ago. And in that interview, you said that many of your clients have never seen photos like yours before. In your opinion, what makes your style unique? I'd say my style is unique because they're not your average photograph. I do take care to use flattering lighting and retouching to bring out the best in my clients. And I add a painterly touch to my imagery. And sometimes people will ask me, is that a painting or a photograph? So I think that's what differentiates my work is that I do take care and I do some post-processing, obviously. I mean, a lot of photographers do, but for client photographs, I may not take it to the extreme of like my creative work because I kind of have two different styles. One is more for my clients and one is like my really more creative work, but I do have like a signature style that people recognize. And when I did start my photography business, I realized I do need to be different because there are so many photographers. And I thought to myself, what do I need to do to make my work stand out? Because I don't want to be just another photographer, you know, in this big forest of photographers and, you know, I need to stand out. So I found my style fairly early and just stuck with it. And and some people don't like it and some people love it. So I think if as long as you stay true to, to the style you love, then you become recognized for that style. 
Exactly. I think the most important thing is for you to enjoy what you're doing because then your clients will feel good and just everyone around you will feel the energy from you. Exactly. And it's funny because I think this is a take on, I used to love to paint, but I was never good at it. (laughs) So I will paint in Photoshop. So that's kind of like my way of, of creating and expressing my love for paint. That's amazing. And do you use a tablet for retouching? I use an iMac with a, a Wacom tablet. So yes, it's, it has the pen where you can edit that way. Yeah, I don't use a mouse to edit. <laughs> that would take forever. Yeah, I can imagine. I just have a mouse and I've tried editing, but it just that's only for like really quick edits. I don't retouch that much because I'm so limited. But I can imagine with a tablet, you kind of do get that painterly feeling like you're painting on a, on a tablet. It's exactly. Good. Yeah, that's it. That makes it so much easier. Yes. And, and I remember when I got a tablet, you know, learning how to use it was quite challenging. And I actually didn't like it at first. And I just stuck it in the closet for several months. And then I came back to it. I thought, okay, I bought this thing. I need to learn how to use it. Once I finally did get over that learning curve, it was a game changer. And I never went back to using a mouse. So it's, um, I really recommend it for anyone who does a lot of editing, because it will make your life so much easier. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I can imagine. It gives you more well, not more tools, but it's easier to use the tools that you have using a tablet, right? Exactly. It just gives you more control, just more fine-tuning because you can use the pen with pressure. You can use the pressure and just it's just a lot more fine-tuned than a mouse can do for you. Earlier in the interview, you said something that stood out to me. You said that you found your style pretty early on in your journey, which I think is interesting. How did you discover your style? How did you know that it was yours? Well. I've always been inspired by Renaissance and Baroque old master paintings. My father liked that style of of art as well. And I remember just looking at those kinds of painting as a kid and and just always in awe of how, how did they paint so beautifully, you know, with such limited tools back then. And the lighting was always just so beautiful. And that inspired me uh, to create my photographs in such a way that kind of mimicked the lighting of that time period. So I just started learning how to light my subjects that way. If you think about it, the old masters used pretty much like a window and their subjects were always placed near a window. So they would have that beautiful, they call it the Rembrandt light, the light coming from an angle from one side. And that's how I tend to light my clients is using that type of lighting where we do retain the shadows. A lot of photographers are scared of shadows, especially in portraiture. So they tend to light their subjects with flat light. And it is flattering. The flat lighting will remove like, or not remove, but it will hide wrinkles and imperfections a lot more than directional light does. But it does lack that dimensionality. I just started lighting that way and just started playing with the editing to, to try and mimic a painterly feel. And, and I've, I've always loved it. So I just stuck with that sort of genre. I thought this is going to be my style and I'm not going to do anything different. This is just, you know, and I perfected, I mean, over the years it's changed a little bit, but it's just a matter of evolving and just kind of perfecting my style. And, but one of the best compliments I received was, someone looked through like Instagram and saw one of my photos and said, I knew that was Barbara McFerrin's photo before I saw the name. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew that, 
okay, I have a style. Uh, people will recognize my work now without looking at the name of, of the photographer. So that was really a great compliment. Yeah, it's definitely a great compliment. And it's well-deserved because uh, just looking through your work, it's clear that you have a distinct style. As you said, it's quite painterly. It's inspired by old masters. Yeah, it's wonderful that you were very straightforward with it right from the start. You were like, this is my style. I'm claiming it. It's nice. It's a good attitude, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, I mainly did it too because... I mean, I saw it, you know, it does exist, obviously, but around me where I live, I thought, you know, I don't see this very often. So I thought, let me just go with this and it'll be different. And if people like it, then they'll know who to come to. Yeah, and it worked out for you. A lot of people love your work. You have so many clients and you have a large following online. And it's, it's all working out. And that's because mm -hmm. you knew what you wanted and you stuck to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important to, to have a consistent style when you're in and when you're starting out as a photographer it is difficult to know what you want to do or you know what style you want to try and and it is it's fine to, to keep trying and doing different things until you find something you like but then once you do find that style that you like it's important to just stick with it and perfect it and evolve in that same style so that you are recognized and that people know what they're getting then because if someone hires you you don't want to have a hodgepodge of different styles and they don't know what they're going to get. So it's good to have a consistent style. Yeah. You don't want to just say, this is going to be surprise package and you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You don't want to surprise the client <laughs> that way. I mean, it, you could surprise them with, Oh, you know, but as long as when you're getting hired, it's usually because they know what kind of style your photography is so because that's why they're hiring you right so you want to give them what they've seen otherwise you know it's kind of like false advertising right? so if you're putting stuff out there but then you take their photo and it doesn't look like anything you've posted or you know advertised then they might get kind of upset exactly and nobody wants that for their clients right <laughs> exactly you know a lot about studio lighting course and you mentioned Rembrandt lighting and also adding depth to your portraits not just using flat light all the time what advice would you give to portrait photographers who want to improve their studio shots I would say really learn to use your lights and be patient because learning to use studio lighting can be frustrating and also like we said earlier you don't need expensive lighting expensive lights won't make you a better photographer or make you better at lighting but master one light before adding more. So it's important to get a light that you can use or that maybe you've used before, or just you can, if you don't have any lighting, you know, ask around, ask what type of lights other photographers are using, or even if you're on a budget, just get whatever you can find that fits your budget. And just master that one light, just practice with one light. Don't make a lot of changes all at once because what happens is, you get a photo, okay, you don't like it, something's wrong, and then you end up changing a whole bunch of things like, okay, I'm going to change the light position, I'm going to change the power of the light, I'm going to change my f-stop, I'm going to change. So don't make so many changes at once because you won't know then what the problem was. A lot of times, let's say you get a great photo, but then you don't know how to duplicate it because you made so many changes, you don't remember what you did. So it's important to just make small tweaks and take note of those changes so that when you do get a, a good photograph, you can replicate that and then keep doing that until you can consistently get the same result over and over again. 
once that happens when, with one light, then you can add a second light and so forth. But yeah, I would say master one light before you try to add a whole bunch of others because adding more and more lights isn't going to help. <laughs> if you can't consistently get a result with one light, um, yeah, it won't help you if you keep adding more. So yeah, that's I think that's the biggest tip I have is just master one light before you add more. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code podcast to get 50% off your first year as a premium member. We appreciate you as our listener very much, and we want to give you a space where you can get daily inspiration, interact with our podcast guests, and share your own tips and tricks in the community. We have an online photography community that is free to join at photographycourse.net. You can join bi-weekly photography contests, interact with various members of the community, find out more about our podcast episodes, and of course, share your own comments and get the chance to speak with our podcast guests. I really look forward to seeing you there. It's completely free to join and there are so many opportunities for you to grow as a photographer there. Check out the link in the description to find out more. That's great advice. And it's budget friendly too, because if you feel like you have to invest in lots of lights at once, it might break the bank. But if you just need one and you have to take your time with it, then it will be easier for you to like invest more and more. Right. Right. And it's great to explore and, and experiment and, and get try different light setups with, with different lights, but it's good to, to at least know what you're doing with one light before you add more. And most of my photographs are with two lights. I, I mean, I, I started out with one light, but I, I now use two lights. Occasionally I'll use three, but that's really the extent of it. I mean, I would say 90% of my work is two lights. And occasionally I'll, I'll use more just to do something different. But yeah, most of my work is with two lights. That's interesting to know. And for me, I don't know anything about studio photography. Okay? I mostly work with natural light or artificial light in the form of like lamps and torches. So mm. as somebody who has no experience at all with professional studio, I feel like if I were to get into this, I would need a professional studio. I would need to rent something. Am I wrong in making this assumption? Or can you create your own little studio at home? No, actually, I mean, you can still get this type of look with even a window light. You can do this with natural light. It's just a little bit more limited because then now you're at the mercy of, okay, is it sunny? Is it cloudy? What time of day is it? So, you know, you're just a little bit more constrained in terms of when to photograph but you can certainly get this fine art look with, with window light. I actually don't have my own studio. I do rent a timeshare studio where I go in and use it when I need it. And then I have to bring my equipment with me. So, you know, it's not the greatest setup, but it works. But no, definitely you can do this at home if you have one 
even a window light or one strobe light you could get. And if, as long as you have a space, you know, in a room, in a garage or something, you could definitely do this in a small area. So you don't need a big studio to do this. Okay, that's good to know. So it can work for anyone who's interested in this kind of work. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, you just have to be creative in your space. And maybe if you have a small space, you can't photograph like a whole group of people. But one or two people in a small space is just fine, even with short ceilings. Sometimes with studio lighting, it can be a constraint if you don't have tall ceilings. But it can be done with different size lights. So yeah, don't feel like if you don't have a studio, you can't do this. It can definitely be done anywhere. You just have to be creative in, in the use of your space. Okay, thank you for that information. Mm-hmm. As a master of fine art photography, in your opinion, what makes a good fine art photograph? Well, I would say a fine art photograph should go beyond the basic or a literal representation of a photograph. For example, it's not just taking a snapshot. Basically, the artist will have a unique style and have a technique to maybe modify the photograph or to add elements to the photograph. I would say a fine art photograph is contemplated and carefully created, not just snapped at random, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think if it's just a snapshot, then it's just candid and spontaneous, which is also good. But if you think something through and you plan it ahead, of time, then yeah, you, you can feel that in a photograph that it was planned. It's interesting because fine art photography can almost mean anything. I mean, anyone can call their photography fine art photography, and, and that's fine as long as the artist puts some thought into creating that photograph in an artistic way for them, then you know, you can call it a fine art photograph. So, really, there isn't like an actual set definition for it, I guess, <laughs> but. I guess the main idea is that it was created carefully by the artist. And so that would make a fine art photograph versus a a snapshot. Yeah, I like your definition of that. Something that was created carefully. I like the use of carefully here. Yeah, Right. (laughs) You often work with clients who are not professional models. So they come to you and they just want photos taken of their family or of themselves in a studio. And that's really different to working with professionals because... Most people don't really know how to pose in front of the camera if they don't have experience. And yet, many of your models look very confident in their shots. So how do you guide them during your shoots to make them feel comfortable? Yeah, well, I try my best to help my clients and models feel comfortable in front of the camera. A lot of people feel really vulnerable being photographed. And in turn, that vulnerability can translate into, you know, some kind of discomfort or fear. So I try to talk to them, ask questions about their life in general, their family, things like that, just to kind of put them at ease. I try to tell jokes, although I'm really bad at telling jokes. So I can usually make them laugh and relax even when I'm trying to tell a joke that and it's not even funny, but it just makes them laugh because I'm trying. So yeah, it's just a matter of just talking to them and just helping them feel comfortable and that will put them at ease. And it's interesting. Usually I can see the transition from or the progression from when they just came into the studio and the first few set of photographs. And then once they've been with me for maybe a half hour or so, then the later photographs, you can tell that they're more relaxed. So the first few photographs usually aren't their favorites because they can tell they're not relaxed. So yeah, it's just a progression. Uh, 
for women, a lot of women choose to have hair and makeup done in the studio. So I have a hair and makeup artist that comes in and that also helps because they sit with her for about an hour getting the hair and makeup done. And that kind of helps to get them a little bit more comfortable as well. And a little bit of pampering doesn't hurt. (laughs) So, so yeah, it's just a matter of just being friendly and, and talking them through it. And one thing also is I really guide them through their posing. So I don't just stay silent and let them try and figure out what to do because a lot of people don't know what to do in front of the camera. So, you know, I, I guide them and tell them how to stand, where to put their hand, but I make it so that it's not too contrived or or too fake looking. I try to make the poses look really natural, but yeah. So I even guide them through their expression. So they do appreciate that, that they don't have to try and figure out what do I have to do? You know, where do I sit? Where do I put my hand? (laughs) So that can be really daunting, you know, especially if you've never had a professional photo done. Yeah, I can imagine that it's really scary because you're standing in front of this professional photographer who has a lot of experience and you don't have any experience as a model. You don't even know how to look. So Mm -hmm. it's always very good to have that kind of guidance from somebody who knows what they're doing. So yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. And what also helps is I do have a, a short consultation with all my clients ahead of time. So I never... I never bring anyone in who I've never talked to. So if they want to have a session with me, we go through at least a 15, 20 minute phone call, just so I get to know a little bit about them and they understand my process, just so they're not coming in completely blind. And I give them some tips on wardrobe ahead of time and send them some emails, you know, to prepare them. So yeah, they, they get a little bit of, inf- obviously, some information ahead of time so that they're not coming in completely blind. Yeah, I can imagine that that helps. It makes mm-hmm. you feel more real to them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I think um, if you look at it from the perspective of a client who doesn't really know much about photography, they think that photographers, you know, they're these artists, you know, and they have mm-hmm. a specific vision. So it can be a bit intimidating, I think, from a client's perspective. Right. And and I would say many photographers out there may be wanting to start out with portraiture. One thing, never, never tell your client, let's say, you know, you don't like, you take a photo and you look at the back of the camera and it didn't turn out very well. You never tell the client, well, that one didn't look good. Or, you know, mm-hmm. you, know you never tell them that they're not doing something right. So you always encourage them and just tell them, oh, you're doing great. Let, you know, even if you try a pose and it just didn't turn out re- good you don't tell them well that wasn't good let's try something else you just naturally say okay that was great let's try this now and you just always make them feel good and and confident about themselves and and just um, encourage them throughout the whole process I had one client tell me once that she had photos done and this guy told her that she wasn't photogenic and it just crushed her. And ever since then, she was just terrified of getting her photos done. And I thought, that's terrible. That's a terrible thing to say to someone. So after the session with me, it just really boosted her confidence again. And that really, that really kind of threw her for a loop, you know, so you never know what you say to someone that could really affect them. So just always, always be encouraging and, and, and just say, it looks great. Even if you don't think it does, it's, it's okay. You know, you just keep going. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So, oh, what a terrible experience. I mean, to some photographers, it would seem like common sense to be kind, but then and, and they would take for granted that they are polite to their clients and that they're right. engaging. And yet it, it's a huge responsibility on us because these people, as you said, many of them feel vulnerable in front of the camera and they 
or not sure about their looks, maybe. So mm-hmm. if you encourage them, then they will feel good. And it's, it's a huge responsibility. <laughs> it is. It really is. So yeah, you have to really be careful what, what you say. And, 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 and I would say, you know, 80% of people don't like being photographed. They don't like how they look, even if they look amazing, they, they are very critical of themselves. So just always be encouraging and just letting them know, you know, how wonderful they are. And, you know, hopefully that will help them feel more comfortable about themselves and their body. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. You also have a lot of experience hosting workshops and educating photographers, as you mentioned in your introduction. What are your workshops like? And if any of the listeners want to host their own workshop for the first time, what advice would you give to them? Yeah. Um, see, I've been teaching workshops for about three or four years now. My workshops, I typically do one on one workshops where a student will fly in. And to learn with me at my studio location for a full day, we go through the lighting techniques and photographing a model, going through different poses, looking at different lighting techniques. We break for lunch and then in the afternoon we do the post-processing with Photoshop. Uh, That system works really well for me and students love that because they're basically learning from start to finish how to create a fine art photograph. Obviously, once they're done with the workshop, they do need to go home and really practice what they learned. Otherwise, if you don't practice what you learned, you're just going to forget it. So it's, it's really important. It's kind of like, you know, playing an instrument. You have to practice to, to get better at it. So I have done some group workshops as well. Unfortunately, when COVID hit, um, the group workshops kind of came to a halt for a while. And then I just, just continued doing the one-on-one. So I will... I am starting to do um, group workshops again. I travel as well. I'll be teaching one uh, possibly in the Baltimore area soon. I'd like to do some in in Europe and and elsewhere. They do require a lot of work and planning, but they are fun. I love to teach. Students just really love getting that experience. So yeah, and for someone starting out, I would just say, you know, start small, maybe teach one student at a time. Same kind of thing, just if, if you're really good at what you do. Just put it out there. I didn't know actually students or people started asking me if I teach what I do before I even started teaching. So when I noticed that people had an interest, that's when I started teaching. So if you're really good at something, just keep putting it out there so people can see it. And um, yeah, just start small and, and see how it goes. That's amazing. I rarely hear about one-on-one workshops. I mean, I'm familiar with them, but Usually I hear about group workshops, but I think one-on-one workshops are obviously more intimate and you also don't need to commit to it for too long. As you said, for you, it's just one day and yet Mm -hmm. the student still gets a lot of value from it, but you don't need to worry about leaving your home for too long or leaving your other responsibilities. So I think maybe for busy photographers or people with busy lives, that can be a good option as well, one-on-one workshops. Exactly. Yeah. And I I love those because I'm really an introvert. So, and I love connecting with like one person at a time. Uh, When I'm in big groups, I get really overwhelmed and it just drains me (laughs) so much faster. I mean, I I enjoy, I love talking to people, but when there's large groups and I'm trying to talk to everyone, it it really drains me after a while. So I love one-on-ones because I can just put, give all my attention to that one student and they actually get so much more out of it because any question that they have, I'm answering. Whereas in groups, you can't really, sometimes you don't have time to answer everybody's questions. And then 
also everyone gets less time to shoot the model as well or photograph the model. So sometimes in big group workshops, you have, okay, you have two minutes to photograph this model, move on, move on, you know, and it's just not, I feel like it's not as personal of an experience and you don't, I feel like you almost, I mean, you learn a lot, but I feel like not as much as you would if it's just one-on-one. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. If you're working with a group of people in any environment, then I guess you get less out of it. It's still a good option, of course, but one-on-one is mm-hmm. definitely the best in my mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and if I do group workshops, I try to keep them fairly small. You know, I usually cap them to 10 at the most, just because, like I said, I want everyone to get an, enough time to photograph a model and to have their questions answered. Yeah, yeah, 10 is a good number. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have one more question for you, and that is, what is the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? Oh, gosh, I want to keep learning and creating and keep doing what I'm doing. I mean, I love what I do, but it is important to keep creating and learning because otherwise you get stagnant or burned out if you do the same thing over and over again. So it is important to have personal projects and just to to create for myself. And I also want to be an inspiration to others and, and show others that they can pursue their passions, uh, no matter what they are, even if it feels impossible or difficult, just taking baby steps towards what their passion is or what they love um, and make it part of their lives every day, I think it makes us all a lot happier. Absolutely. Barbara, thank you so much for sharing your story and for being so open about your struggles, because I think that they inspire many people to keep on going and to keep being resilient. So thank you so much for your openness. And I appreciate everything that you're doing in the photography community. And I wish you all the very best with your journey. Thank you, Taya. I really appreciate you having me. And thank you for what you're doing and giving a voice to all the amazing artists out there. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I think Barbara's story is very inspiring because it's not linear, as we said in this interview, and it's relatable. I think most of us have non-linear lives where we face obstacles, where we need to sometimes work extra hard to overcome those obstacles. And so if you feel like you're going through a difficult time and nothing is going your way, then don't assume that something is wrong with you. And just remember that there are many, many photographers out there, many, many people in general who struggle with similar things and who just need to try a little harder to get over whatever they're going through. So keep on fighting hard and working hard and you will reach your destination. If you would like to interact with Barbara, if you'd like to ask her some questions or leave some comments about this episode, you're welcome to do so in our free community. So you can register for free and introduce yourself and join our sub forums where you can share your thoughts on each episode. I look forward to seeing you there and see you next week. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to PhotographyCourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.